Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the Steelers Fix, brought to you by the Steel Curtain Network, the all-new network of podcasts from your boys at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And, uh, you know, Andrew Wilbar, as always, with me for this episode. I'm going to host again. We kind of try to alternate, but I'm going to host again since Andrew filled in for me a couple times recently due to illness uh going on but andrew i'd like to welcome you in man uh you told me you're gonna get you're gonna get to go to the combine this year that's pretty cool uh tell us a little bit about your plans and what you'll be able to tell us uh when the whole thing's over yeah so sb nation was able to get me access into the combine this year gonna be heading down early early thursday morning gonna go down and uh do some of the interviews with some of the running backs and uh special teamers actually no the running backs i believe are going to be the interviews are going to take place on saturday um but you we have the uh, defensive backs on thursday and special teamers and then friday will be the quarterbacks receivers and tight ends doing their interviews of course all the interviews come one day before their on-field workouts um and then uh friday or excuse me saturday it will be the offensive lineman and running back. So excited. Hopefully get to talk to a few prospects, maybe nudge shoulders with a few guys who may have some inside information that we can pass along next week on next week's show. Um, but definitely excited for the opportunity. It's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. The combine is one of my favorite events in the entire offseason calendar. You get to see these guys up close and personal. And uh, I wrote an article for behind the steel curtain.com kind of giving Steelers fans a, a what to watch, if you will this upcoming week um do you have a position group you are most excited to, to watch out there i would say the defensive backs yeah specifically at safety because we really don't have a great feel for you know how deep the safety class is there's a lot of unknowns with these guys there's a lot of free safeties in this class not a whole lot of strong safeties a lot of teams are going to be seeing, you know, how versatile are these guys? Are these guys pure strong, pure free safeties, pure strong safeties? Can they come and play down in the slot? Yeah. They're going to be tested a lot on versatility, I believe, throughout the week, especially in the on-field drill portion. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens there. Obviously, Sidney Brown's a guy I've had circled for a while. I truly believe he can play strong safety at the next mm-hmm. level. Um, JL Skinner is another guy who should test pretty well athletically. Uh, and then you have, you know, other guys, you know, Jair Brown, we haven't heard anything about him, you know, right. He could make that rise. Christopher Smith, Jordan battle, all these guys, there's a, just a lot of unknowns about where they're going to go in the draft. They could go round two. They could go round five. Um, so hopefully the draft, the combine will solidify that. Plus it should give us a better idea of who's going to be that first corner off the board and right. who may not be available for the Steelers at pick 17. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the interesting things to me about the safety class this year is if you listen to like the move, the sticks guys, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, uh, they don't really believe that there is a true strong safety in the class. Like you're talking about that it's uh nickel guys. It's mm-hmm. um, slot guys that can, that have that versatility. But um, you know, when you're talking guys like uh, Brian branch or um, Jair, uh, Brown that you, you that you mentioned there. Um, these guys, they can be real weapons on defense, kind of like a Dax Hill last year. Um, yeah. You know, you're talking guys like that. Um, and you could see Brian Branch, who has kind of a similar profile, I'd say, to a Dax Hill um, going early in the first round, you know, within those top 20 picks. And uh, could be a guy the Steelers maybe even have their eye on as a versatile piece in the secondary um, but let's get into the topic of today. We're going to talk about your mock draft 2.0. Uh, 
coming out on the website. And uh, it's you're going two rounds deep this time, so giving us a little bit more of a taste of what you think could potentially happen in the draft this year. I wanted to highlight a couple things before we deep dive into the players, Andrew. But before we even do that, kind of give me an overview of what your thought process w- was with this second mock. Has anything changed from what you saw um, or what you were expecting players rising and falling uh, from your mock draft 1.0? Uh, kind of give us a feel for where you're at with mock draft 2.0. Well, with Mach 2.0, we at least know who's in the draft, which is a big aspect of it. So that was probably the biggest change, just figuring out who all is in the draft and who is not. Uh, the other thing, Senior Bowl changed a few things, not a whole lot in terms of the first two rounds because there just weren't that many players there that ha- I have a you know high grades on. At this point, I'm still going a lot off what I think makes sense based upon my own evaluations and not based upon what I'm hearing. As the draft gets closer, hopefully by Mach 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, hopefully it'll be going off more rumors, rumored interest, information mm-hmm. that I've received that will hopefully be more of a prediction than just what makes sense. Right now, it's still in that what makes sense stage. Yeah. But mock drafts are never based upon what I would do personally as the general manager. It's what I think could happen because such and such a reason, typically because either it's a need or going by team's history, this is the type of player they typically go after. Yeah. Just thinking about things like that of you know why a pick would make sense here because until we get more rumors, it's, it's really hard to go off this. You're really just trying to put prospects in the right range at this point and try to figure out you know about the area they're going to go, not necessarily the team. Right. Um, do you use any mock draft simulators at all just to play around with? I do on occasion. I like sure. usually have one article that comes out in each spring. We'll probably do it at the beginning of April. And I do a mock draft simulator comparison. So I okay. do, uh, you know, four or five different ones, you know, walk the mock, PFN, PFF, um, fan speak, yep. uh, some of just using doing one from each one, the draft network, um, and just getting a feel for, you know, how different the boards are for one. Right. And, you know, kind of getting a best case and worst case scenario, you know, some of the drafts are a little bit more rough toward the Steelers. And then you have other boards you go to, and it's you know, it's so unrealistic, but right. it's always fun <laughs> to dream. So it's yeah, just good to see that comparison. Yeah, absolutely. The one that I always go back to because I like the interface best is PFF, but I just feel like they're, you know, they they run their board based off of their, their uh, metrics and their rankings. So you've got players that have, you know, first round grades from scouts dropping into the third round. And it's like, yeah. what's going on here? So yeah. Yeah. I, um, if you really want to get into mock drafts, I think it's important to, to try those, but to do your own sometimes too. Um, go to PFF and select every team and do one for every team. And I think that that's a, that's a lot of fun and you can kind of just get an idea for their team needs and, and a judge of how you think things will go as well. So Listeners, if you like those mock draft simulators, tell us which ones you like best, and then also give it a shot uh, doing your own mock drafts. And uh, you know, you can always send those to us on Twitter and uh, comment those uh, on the BTSC site as well. Andrew, let's dive into this mock draft. Uh, I had a couple notes that stood out to me um, just from the initial look, and uh, you did not have the Steelers addressing offensive line uh, with any of their first three picks in those two rounds. Um, and that was even with, uh, at pick 17, Paris Johnson Jr. And Roderick Jones still on the board in round one. I think a lot of Steelers fans would absolutely have a mental breakdown if 
Uh, those two guys were still on the board, and neither one of them was a selection. Tell me, including um, myself, <laughs> including yourself, especially for the guy that you ended up going with. Um, we'll talk about him in a second, but Andrew, how'd you skip over those linemen, man? I just, I, it, I know that I gave the Steelers Cody Mock in round one, so I'm not exclusive. I think that X factor in all of this is Andy Weedle because mm-hmm. he has prioritized the trenches. During his time in Philadelphia, it, and that you can see that based upon their drafts, their past drafts, I just, especially specifically offensive tackle, I'm just still have my reservations about how different it's going to be. Who controls the philosophy the most in the draft room? Was it Kevin Colbert or was it Mike Tomlin? Yeah, I think we're going to find that out this year in terms of whether we see a new philosophy or not, because the Steelers have never in the history of the organization prioritized left tackle. Right. And with Mock, at least you have that versatility where he can play guard. Guard and tackle, in my opinion, are both needs. I feel like left tackle is just a more important position, so you should prioritize that first. But ultimately, I mean, Broderick Jones, I actually have a little bit rated a little bit higher now over Paris mm. Johnson. Oh. I just feel like he brings the most long-term upside over Johnson, not necessarily in so much in terms of athleticism, but just uh, his schematic versatility mm. um, and his ability as a run blocker, I think gives him a little bit more upside over Paris Johnson. I like both prospects a lot, but uh, at the end of the day, I just, it, I'm not going to mock at another offensive lineman to the Steelers in round one until I get a sense or I hear something like this is a legitimate possibility. And right now, the little that I'm hearing is it looks like the Steelers are really trying to add more to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Art Rooney, the second came out and said he thinks they can have a defensive leaning draft and, um, you know, still address some of the offensive needs. Uh, he felt that there was a good group in, in place on offense. I think one thing that, um, Dave Schofield has been saying a lot, uh, another member here at, uh, the steel curtain network. Um, you know, he, he wants the Steelers to address every position, have a starter in place by the draft. And I think that that's exactly what you want to do. Although I do think the Steelers are going to be looking for a couple starting, uh, caliber players in this draft, but Andrew, this draft is not very heavy on day one starting caliber players. I mean, you're going to get the odds and ends guy that really steps up through training camp. But if you just look at the group, it's, it's not looking great as far as getting immediate help in a lot of cases. But one thing I wanted to point out from the draft or from your mock draft is that the Steelers stayed put. You didn't have them making trades or anything, despite the cornerbacks being off the board that you think that the Steelers would be interested in. He had them staying put and maybe reaching a little bit for a guy. We'll just go ahead and jump into it. Trenton Simpson was your first pick for the Steelers at pick 17 linebacker out of Clemson. And uh, the traits are there, right? Uh, he's a height, weight, speed kind of guy at inside linebacker. He's got all those tools that you're looking for, but the production just wasn't really there in college. So, you know, if, if those quarterbacks are off the board and the Steelers don't go offensive tackle, uh, or offensive guard, you know, um, Osiris Torrance was still on the board in your mock as well. Um, you know, why don't, did you have thoughts about the Steelers trading back in the first round? Or do you think that's more likely in the second round with one of their um, picks there? I think if they can find a trade partner, that's possible. But with the quarterbacks being off the board and, you know, I, I usually I have at least one mock draft where I have the Steelers making a move in the first round. Mm. Maybe that will be 3.0. But right now, I just couldn't find 
a player that was worthy of necessarily going up for our team mortgaging enough to be able to go and move up for him. Cause there's enough, I mean, I thought about, you know, Nolan Smith still on the board would need a team move up to get him. You know, he has, he has the versatility to really play inside or outside. He can play edge rusher. He can play buck linebacker. He can play Mac linebacker. He's a great fit in the three, four, and he has that versatility. Yeah. It would make a lot of sense for a team that wanted to move up for him to, you know, move up. Cause I think he's going to test well athletically. Um, though I don't know how active he's going to be because of the injuries and stuff, but he's going to interview well, high character guy. I thought about that, but at the same time, edge rusher, there's decent, you know, through the first two rounds, there's good depth. Good depth, yeah. So I, I didn't feel like it was necessary for a team to move up. So I just couldn't find a partner for the Steelers to move up, move with. And then in terms of trading up to get one of the corners, I considered that too. But I think it's a little bit too early to predict the Steelers to make a move up yeah. uh, in a draft where they don't, they only have a fourth and a seventh on day three. They don't have a lot of late round picks. Then you're giving up one of those additional day two picks after yeah. you gave up a pretty big asset in Chase Claypool to try to get an extra day two pick. And now you're going to be sacrificing one of those to make a move up to get a corner, a position the Steelers have not done well drafting at as of yeah. late. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so tell us then a little bit about Trenton Simpson and why uh, you think he could be a fit for Pittsburgh just real quick before we get to your second round, first, second round pick. I think he's going to go higher than what a lot of people think because of the lack of depth at that mm. position. I think if he goes out to the combine and runs a sub 4-4, which I think is definitely yeah. possible this week, if he goes out and he measures in w- around what we expect, you know, he's about six foot three, 240 pounds. He has the length. He has the bulk. And we've seen him at his best. He can do a little bit of everything. He can rush the passer when you need him to. He's very good in coverage. He can run with anybody. I mean, he, he is the real deal. The issue is that he wasn't that productive this past year. And there were other issues with Clemson's team. So I'm not putting it all on him. Mm. There was a lot of pressure on him specifically. He didn't mm. have, you know, a bunch of playmakers on that defensive side of the ball. There were some injuries yeah. along the defensive line. Um, Brian Bursay being one of those guys, of course, would have been huge to have him 100% the entire year. But with Simpson, uh, he sometimes struggles getting off blocks from time to time. And you wouldn't think that with someone his size. But yeah. I just looking at it just makes so much sense for the Steelers when in doubt, give the Steelers a linebacker an athletic linebacker in the first round of a mock draft, because it makes (laughs) sense just because of Mike Tomlin, he's going to have an outstanding spark score. He's still very young. He's an underclassman. Steelers love that. He's from a power five school. He checks a lot of boxes that the Steelers look for in that, with that first round pick. Cody mock was a little bit of an off the wall selection in the first round, but as we saw after the senior bowl, he's risen and we're starting to see him in the first round of mock drafts now. Yeah. And we didn't see that at that time quite as often. So, you know, even if you see Trenton Simpson a little bit lower right now, wait until after this week because again this may be a little bit of projection but i i don't even know if if he does as well as what is possible with him he may not even be there at pick 17 because of the hmm. demand for linebackers in a draft where there aren't very many yeah i mean you've got uh, you've got that right i mean there's just not a lot of depth there and you know there's uh there's a few um scouts and talking heads that are kind of on the drew sanders train at inside mm-hmm. linebacker yeah. uh, over a guy like simpson um but, you know, um, you're talking Sanders because of the production, right? If the production mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. there this last year, then then you're not necessarily talking about him up there. And if Simpson had the production that matches his talent level, then he would absolutely be the first round pick. And if Sanders, like he has an outstanding length, he's what, six foot five, something like that. He has outstanding length. I think the big issue with him is where you're going to put him. You know, he had... Yeah. 10 sacks, but you know, is he, I think he may fit more 
in a 4-3 system, honestly, where he can kind of be the weak side linebacker. He can drop into coverage, but, you know, a team that utilizes their 4-3 outside backers on the blitz. I believe yeah. I have him going to Seattle in the second round. Sure. I'm um, in the middle of the second round with one of those picks. I think that would be a good fit, you know, um, for some reason, the name slipping me, but uh, he's been with Seattle forever. Uh, kind of that inside-outside backer guy is kind of that 4-3 outside backer. Um, been with the team forever. For some reason, I can't think of his name. Um, right. That's what I was uh, thinking, too. But for some reason, I can't think of the first name. <laughs> I'll try to look it up as you continue on. Okay, yeah. But that would be an ideal fit, I think, for Sanders. Sure, absolutely. So, Sanders, man, I, I like the potential there. Um, I like the Steelers potentially to look for – a team in the twenties that wants a wide receiver and wants to jump up into the mid teens to select a Jackson Smith and Jigba or a, a Quentin Johnston or, um, you know, a Jordan Addison potentially try to get ahead of that. We saw that happen last year, a couple of times, the wide receiver values just for some reason right now, are just through the roof. Jacksonville could use a wide receiver. Dallas could use a wide receiver. If the Steelers can find a partner in one of those two teams or something like that and be able to move back, I think that they might, Enjoy that, especially if the tackles and the cornerbacks are all off the board at that point. They could probably still land uh, an impact player, offensive guard maybe. Uh, you know, Trenton Simpson might be there if uh, maybe he doesn't test quite as well as as we think. Um, or they could go with one of the second-tier uh, cornerbacks that we haven't talked about yet. Let's talk about one of those guys, though. Um, with the 32nd pick, the Steelers – acquired from the Chicago Bears in the Chase Claypool trade. Uh, you have the Steelers going cornerback from another Power 5 school in Georgia and a guy who's been falling down draft boards maybe even a little bit too much, Andrew. Uh, Keely Ringo from Georgia, uh, one of the top cornerback prospects heading into 2022. And then what happened? How does he fall to the Steelers at 32? I think inconsistency is the biggest answer. And by the way, KJ Wright, that is his KJ name. KJ Wright, yeah. So, yes. So, that's kind of who Sanders reminds me of in some ways, not necessarily from a physical standpoint, but just in the style of play and their versatility. Yeah. Um, but for Ringo, yeah. I, what's ironic about the pick is that I was going between him, a couple other corners, and Tyreek Stevenson, who was actually his teammate for one year, 2020 season at Georgia. Stevenson ends up transferring out, gives Ringo, who we knew at some point was going to become one of the starters. He was highly sought after as yeah. a recruit. But that pretty much opened the door for Ringo to get a full-time gig, you know, without much competition at all. Uh, so that's how Ringo becomes a starter in 2021, has a phenomenal season. Uh, and then this past season, when it mattered most in the big games, he struggled. LSU, conference championship game struggled mm -hmm. Ohio state game was awful. Mm -hmm. He had one or two. Okay. Plays the rest of the game. I mean, he was always trailing receivers, always yeah. trailing them. And this guy runs four two. Okay. It's not, you know, like a lack of, you know, athleticism, lack of speed. Right. It's just, he's too tight in the hips. He doesn't turn well. Um, doesn't get good position off the line. There's a lot of issues with this game, but at the same time, maybe the tide is turning with the Steelers and corners, you know, Cameron Sutton is taking that next step under Terrell Austin, Terrell Austin being, a defensive backs guru now at the helm as defensive coordinator. Maybe things change. Maybe the Steelers can start developing some of these athletic guys. Yeah. Ringo's only 20 years old. Again, another young prospect who's going to test well athletically. It makes a lot of sense for the Steelers. He seems like a Tomlin special, in my opinion. Yeah. The only concern is, again, he's not that versatile. He, he If you try to put him in zone right now, that's going to be a problem. That's why sure. I would have concerns with this pick. I would rather have Clark Phillips, who can play inside or out, or, you know, maybe even a guy like Cam Smith, who has some of his own question marks and needs to add some weight, but at least a guy who was a little bit more consistent this past season. 
Yeah, absolutely. I like the pick um, because I think um, he's kind of fallen down a little too far because you still have those skill sets there. You still have the athleticism and we've seen it out of him. We've seen him play well in uh, bump and run man style coverage. And I think you're seeing a little bit of a turn towards that with Terrell Austin now as the Steelers defensive coordinator. They played a lot more of it in 2022. Um, and I think if you bring back Cam Sutton and you've got um, you, you've got a Levi Wallace as well, uh, you know, maybe you don't need him to start week one, you know, and if that's the case, then you've got something, some flexibility there. Maybe by the end of the year, he's he's gotten better and he can fill in and he can be a guy that's maybe making a push to be a starter down, uh, down in crunch time at the end of the season. So I like the pick. Let's move on to the Steelers pick at 49, their second pick in the second round, their original pick in the second round. Uh, and you went with a defensive tackle, uh, Keanu Benton, who, uh, is, uh, rising draft boards. I think, um, he's, he's playing his way into it through the senior bowl, and uh, I think, you know, a guy that you've obviously seen Mike Tomlin show an interest in and spend some time with. Those are the types of things we like to look for uh, here in our mock drafts. Um, I know for you as well, Andrew. So tell us a little bit about Benton and why uh, you think he's a fit for for Pittsburgh here. I'm still somewhat uncertain about his fit because I still think even though a lot of people are pegging him as a zero one tech is nose tackle. I really think that he could do well in a 4-3 system. And he has some experience in that already. But as a 3-tech, I think he can use his twitchiness a yeah. little bit better. At the same time, though, Steelers haven't had a true nose tackle for a while, and it hasn't always killed the team either. The Steelers have had some good run defenses, even the final years of Javon Hargrave, a guy who is he was built like a nose tackle, just un, not the, didn't have the bulk of a nose tackle. And But Tyson Alualu was not a true nose tackle for a 3-4 yeah. system. But it worked. Right. You know, with Carl Dunbar... And the talent that Benton has, I'm not going to bet against it. I would prefer Mozzie Smith, especially if he's available in the third round and the Steelers can use this pick on either offensive line or maybe something, uh, maybe even another corner. Go for Clark Phillips and get your slot corner as well. Uh, sure. But Tomlin's shown interest. This is the one pick where I'm kind of using it based off, okay, this is someone we know that the Steelers have interest in. He's from the Big Ten, another young prospect, and he fits the mold of some recent defensive lineman the Steelers have had from an athletic standpoint. Um, he sometimes does – he has the ability – he's incredibly twitchy when he's at his best. But when he gets a little bit slow, when he gets doesn't get the greatest start off the line, it almost is like he transitions to pure power. Like he feels like he has to win with power. And he tightens up and just tries to go straight. Doesn't try to split a gap. Doesn't try to do anything. And just kind of makes himself a little bit more susceptible to some of the stronger – uh, offensive linemen who have stronger bases. So uh, not a perfect prospect, but I think with Carl Dunbar, Benton has a really high ceiling. Um, and he did a fantastic job against the run. You know, I'm just giving some minor critiques for his three down ability. Mm, yeah. But as, you know, a run defender, he did a really good job this past year. And I think he, you know, he might fit. Mozzie Smith's my guy if the Steelers miss out on Ika. But yeah. I could live with Benton based upon what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, absolutely. And uh six foot four, three hundred and fifteen pounds. He's gonna he's gonna be long at the combine. They're gonna measure and he you're gonna see all those um the, the measurables that you wanna see. Uh he's gonna rep well in the bench press. Um, I think he's gonna move pretty well too in the position drills. So you're gonna see him um 
at the combine. Keep an eye on this guy at the combine because I think he could really uh, improve his draft stock uh, with a good performance, especially when you look at defensive line and, um, you know, it's not very deep again this year, uh, especially nothing outside of Jalen Carter at the very top you know, the it's a cliff dive after Carter uh, to the next guy. And so uh, you could definitely see him making pushes as the second or third um, defensive tackle off the board here. So you did have uh, Siaki Ika off the board already uh, with this selection. Um, one of the things I was considering just looking through your selections here is that, you know, maybe the Steelers could, could go get um, in, in that first round, they could land, um, one of those offensive tackles or they could land an Osiris Torrance. And then, um, you know, you get take Keely Ringo uh, and then, you know, some guys you had picked after Benton in the second round, Drew Sanders, uh, Jack Campbell, uh, DeMarvian overshone at linebacker. So, you know, maybe getting that linebacker there and pushing defensive tackle out even a little bit, or, um, you know, cause you got guys like, um, You've got guys like who's the guy from South Carolina that I'm Cam blanking. Smith. No, uh, sorry, at defensive tackle. Um, oh, um, Zach, Zach Pickens. Pickens. Yeah, you've got guys like Zach Pickens, um, Keandre Coburn, Moro Ojomo from uh, the two guys from Texas that could potentially be fits as well. So there's kind of a a group there at the end of day two, early day three. Or I'm sorry. Um, you know, middle of day two, early day three guys that the Steelers could still target there. Um, so, you know, just from my perspective, I think, you know, if you can get that offensive lineman early, you might be in good shape to go after some of these guys later. But um, not to say I don't like it. I, I like this 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 group of guys. If the Steelers bring in these three guys, I think you've got to be happy with that. And in the end, we're talking about, these picks and are they getting good value? But in the end, it, it, what matters is that they get good players, right? So um, after year one, after year two, if these if these three guys were to work out, it doesn't matter if we said, man, Trenton Simpson would have liked to get him at 32 instead of 17. You know, if he turns out to be the guy, you know, you spent a good pick on him. So absolutely. Andrew, uh, fantastic mock draft 2.0. Uh, you can check it out. Listeners on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Check out that uh, article and more from Andrew and from myself. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk running backs. Uh, we're going to do a quick pr positional preview for the running back position uh, as we head into Combine Week. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers Fix will be right back. And welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. If you missed the first half, go back and listen. Andrew uh, breaks down his mock draft 2.0, and we talked Steelers selections as well as uh, some of the players that uh, went around um, the Steelers selections according to uh, Andrew's mock draft. Uh, we're going to jump into a running back position preview uh, as we head into combine week. Uh, these guys will be on full display for uh, your viewing pleasure and uh, for the scouting community to get a, a, a final look at these guys outside of pro days before the NFL draft 
uh, swings upon us in the end of April. Andrew, let's talk about your top five running backs, and uh, then we're going to mention some sleepers to keep an eye on down the road. The Steelers probably aren't looking to draft running back early, um, and they might not draft one at all. In fact, with most of their other needs, you could probably suspect that they might leave that alone and and ride free agency or um, undrafted free agency potentially uh, for help uh, at running back. But let's just talk your top five. Um, let's start with uh, the consensus. Number one running back uh, is uh, the way it goes for most of the um, the pundits uh, talking about the draft. And you got Bijan Robinson out of Texas. And uh, the man plays like a man possessed out of the backfield. What do you think about uh, Bijan, and why is he your number one running back this year? He can do everything. He's got power. He's got elusiveness. He's got balance, contact balance, power, speed, pass catching ability. I mean, he can do everything. The only concern that I would give and Ryland, who did his scouting report for the big board, he kind of mentioned the same thing is that there is some bit of an injury history with him. Hmm. Um, so you do have some durability questions, especially since his big comparison is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley has had injury concerns uh, hmm. and is still dealing with injury concerns. This was his first year where he really had pretty good health. Uh, so I overall, he's a top one of the top 10 players based upon talent in this draft. Yeah. Best running back we've seen come out since Saquon. Uh, but there, there is some bit of an injury concern there. I devalue his grade a little bit just because of the positional value. But I still gave him a mid-first-round grade just because of the talent. That doesn't mean I would take him that high or any running back yeah. that high. But he is worthy of being selected within, within the top 15 picks if you're going upon you know how good is he relative to other players, specific players in this draft, regardless of position. Absolutely. A guy I think um, could, could push him as a – top running back in this class and he's not really uh if you just talk to people uh robinson is pretty clearly the number one guy but a guy that just jumps off the screen when you watch him play ball at running back uh alabama's jameer gibbs tell us what you like about gibbs yeah i gave i actually gave gibbs to kansas city at the end of the first round at 31 could you imagine jameer gibbs in kansas city's offense having a 4-2 guy on the backfield mixing him with pacheco who's really fast as well (laughs) that's some power um, I mean, I, I I think that would be an excellent pick for Kansas City. You know, yeah. I thought about giving him a receiver there, but, you know, this guy's got phenomenal speed. I w- was a little bit concerned watching him at times because there were some games where he just wasn't getting the ball mm-hmm. as often, and there were concerns about, you know, like, you know, why is, is he just in Nick Saban's doghouse? You know, what's going on with him? But ultimately, he finished out the season still averaging over six yards per carry. He's got really good vision. Uh he, he is Alvin Kamara-esque player. Yeah. He's not going to be great in short yardage situations because he doesn't have a whole lot of bulk, and he doesn't really have the frame to where you want him to add a lot because he is a speed back mm-hmm. and a guy who's going to catch you a lot of passes out of the backfield. Um, yeah. So I think he's he would be really good fit in a West Coast-type offense. And when you look at Andy Reid and the way that they utilize the running backs, I think this is, would be a match made in heaven for Jameer Gibbs. Chris Johnson, CJ2K comparisons coming out here for Jameer yeah. Gibbs. And that is about as impressive as it comes for Speedback, who does have pretty good size as well, uh, 200 pounds. He's not going to be uh, a guy that at that speed you want to you want to hit head on very often. So right. I like me some Jameer Gibbs coming out in this draft. Um, Dwayne McBride, 
is your third ranked running back. What do you like about McBride, man? I love the fact that he's decisive as a runner. When he sees a hole, he doesn't hesitate to hit it. He's also extremely shifty in the open field, which is surprising. Five foot eleven, two fifteen. He's not a scat back, but he does know how to get small, and he anticipates how defenders plan to bring him to the ground. Mm-hmm. And he acts, you know, he knows how to act and you know correspond with an open field move. You know, he's got a stiff arm, he's got a spin move, he's got some moves in the open field. The downside is that he only had two receptions all season. So he's not a pass catching threat at all, at least based upon what we, you know, how he was utilized. Maybe he does have more pass catching ability. I think that's the big thing I'm going to be watching with McBride at the combine is how involved can he get as a um, catching passes? How good is he? Does he have a lot of drops? If he doesn't, I think you got to move him up the board even more. He averaged almost seven and a half yards per carry this year, which is insane. So keep an eye on him. He's going to test fairly well. I wouldn't be surprised to see a sub four, five forty 540 for him. Let's move on to your number four prospect here at running back, Lou Nichols III. Go ahead and talk about him. I'm having a little trouble with my voice. Tell us what you think about Nichols. Well, don't pay too much attention to this year's stats. He only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. There's a reason for that. He was injured. He had some injury problems. A season ago, 2,100 scrimmage yards. Absolutely tore apart every team he faced. And I believe it was the Sun Bowl last year because it was just kind of one of those last-minute things where the I believe it was due to a COVID outbreak or something. It caused one of the teams to not be able to participate in that. Nichols comes in and has a game, has one of the best games that he ever had in college. Um, he did have 21 receptions this past year in only nine games, only 128 receiving yards, so not the most efficient hmm. out of the backfield, but he does have an ability to catch passes. Five foot 10, 220 pounds, got a lot of power. <laughs> Um, he's a one cut runner. You know, he's got decent acceleration getting upfield for a bigger guy. Um, it, he's probably still best in a team that has a decent pass catching option for third downs. Um, but other than that, you know, he can do just about everything else. He's willing to assist in pass protection. Yeah. The big concern with him is injuries. You know, how healthy is he? Um, the medicals will be interesting to see how, you know, that comes back. Absolutely. And then to round out the top five is a guy who just, he just looks like a running back. I mean, the guy is, uh, I mean, he's just built like a running back. 5'11", yeah. 215. Uh, I mean, he's just, that's just what you picture when you picture running back. And that's uh, Israel Abanaconda out of Pitt, the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, tell us what you like about uh, the number five running back on your list here. He's got really good vision and, you know, mm-hmm. he plays bigger than even the 215 pounds. You know, he is a hard runner and he's hard to bring down. He knows how to get low. He keeps the pads low in short yard situations. He runs with a lot of burst. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'm still curious to see what he runs in the 40. I think it's going to be faster than what a lot of people think. But then again, I've thought that about a lot of prospects who have not run as fast. You know, I thought yeah. that about Javante Williams. I think Javante is a really good comparison to Israel um, yeah. that built very similarly. I think if he runs a better 40 than Javante, you got to consider putting him in that same range uh, because, you know, he's a guy who is willing to do a little bit of everything. Only average just over, you know, one catch a game out of the backfield. Not going to do a bunch mm. as a receiver, uh, but he has proven to have some ability. And, you know, he just runs through arm tackles. He yeah. runs through contact and it's so hard to bring down. He's not a guy you want to mess with when he's at full steam. Can I tell you a, com- a comp I have for him that yeah. – uh you know, it's going to sound like out of this world, but I just mean from a physicality perspective, from just the style he runs, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't think he's quite as shifty as Tomlinson, but the vision 
is absolutely Tomlinson-esque. And once he gets to the edge or once he gets to the second level, um, you're right. He just has another gear and it's, he's not going to be the fastest running back here uh, at the combine that we'll see this week, but he's, he's just got that play speed, that explosion and nobody got to the edge and, and turned it up feel better than LaDainian Tomlinson. Nobody made uh, cornerbacks and safeties think twice about coming downhill on him like LaDainian Tomlinson. Cause either he's going to juke you out or he's going to just try to pile drive you right back. And uh, it worked well for LT. I'm not saying Abanaconda is going to be LT, but I think you can kind of see uh, similar traits from those guys. And uh, man, LT, one of my favorite players from uh, my childhood. So where uh, would you have him ranked Abanaconda? Where would you have him ranked? Would you have him above either, you know, Nichols or McBride? Um, I, I think I'd have him above Nichols. Uh, I just think that, that you can't teach his type of explosiveness and you can't teach his vision either. And that's what separates him to me, but uh, it's tough. Nichols is, is, is just really solid too. And like you said, uh, the pass catching ability, I don't know how much of Bonaconda is going to do in that area. Um, but as a, as a pure runner, uh, he, he could end up being one of the better pure runners that we see come out of this class. So yeah. um, we talked to Eric Gray, and an interview. If you missed that uh, on the Steelers fix, go back and check that out. You'll have to go back a few weeks, but it's going to be on behind the steel curtain um, or the steel curtain network pages on wherever you get your podcast. We talked to Eric gray out of Oklahoma. You've got him as a sleeper to watch. Let's kind of talk through three or four guys here um, that just real quick, uh, go back and read about Eric gray or what listen to our podcast about Eric gray and our interview with him. But just real quick, what stands out to you about Gray as a reason we shouldn't be sleeping on him? He's very balanced in his game. You know, he's got some vision, some elusiveness. He's shifty. He's got some power. Uh, Just a very balanced running back. Uh, Was very efficient this past year. Not the biggest guy, but a guy that I think can work into, you know, a prominent role in the offense, maybe even become a starting running back. I have an early third round grade on him. He may not even go that high. He could fall to day three. I think if he does, that's an absolute Mm. steal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've got uh, Rayshon John or Roshan Johnson on here as well, played behind uh, Bijan Robinson. Um, this is one of those situations where a team could absolutely get a steal in Roshan Johnson, uh, and I you obviously agree. You put him on your sleepers list here. Uh, tell us why. I think he's going to run a faster forty than Bijan Robinson personally. Wow. I think he's going to test better athletically in some areas of Bijan. That doesn't mean Bijan's going to test badly. It's just Roshan Johnson is a very gifted runner as well. And the yeah. good thing about Johnson, he doesn't have as much tread on the tires as Bijan does because he was the backup. Right. And you know, he when he came in, he was able to do just about everything that Bijan could do. You know, in 12 games, not in a full-time role. He only had 93 carries, but he averaged six yards per carry, had five touchdowns in that time. He's a little bit tall, but he does a good job of getting those pads low for a six-two back. He does a good job of remaining low in between the tackles and getting those tough yards. Had 14 catches, 128 yards this past season. And you compare that to B. John Robinson, who only had 19 catches. They're for yeah. 314 yards. So John has a little bit more explosiveness in the open field than Roshan does with the ball in his hands when he has some space. But in terms of, you know, ability, pass catching ability, I wouldn't say that, you know, he's any less of a natural receiver out of the backfield than Bijan is. I mean, I think yeah. this guy's a starting running back at the next level. 
Yeah, if you talk to uh, Matty Peverall, who's a big Texas Longhorns fan, he's all in on this guy. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of uh, NFL fans should be as well. I went with uh, Muhammad Ibrahim out of Minnesota. I think I'm saying that right, Ibrahim. Um, uh, he He's another one of those guys, 5'10", 210, um, plays with a lot of smoothness, and he's just a versatile back. Um, he's not going to uh, run past you, and he's not necessarily going to bowl you over, but he's going to fight for every yard, and he's got a decent vision. I like him. I think he can be um, a good change of pace back at the NFL level. And then at his best, he reminds me of like a Michael Turner uh, from Atlanta a few years back. Um, great contact balance, low center of gravity, drives the pile forward. He's got kind of that that vibe to him. And then I went with a Georgia boy. Um, my mom is a lifelong Georgia Bulldogs fan. I like the Bulldogs, uh, though I reside with the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, uh, much to the chagrin, chagrin of um, my podcast partner here. Um, which, by the way, I wanted to say, you got lucky that I wasn't there for that uh, – for your uh, interview with Brad Robbins. Cause I, I would have, I would have had some fun there. Um, you know, kind of being the, the enemy number one. Hey, for I had to do bit. it with Paris Johnson. So yeah, you did. You got to be there though. And I, I did not get to be there for, yeah. for your Michigan boys. So uh, we'll have to make that up sometime, but anyway, moving on, uh, Kenny McIntosh. He's a guy that is intriguing to me because uh, I wrote in the um, running back big board, now, he's a little bit of a tweener. He's not a speed guy. He's not a power guy. Um, he's just kind of a good running back. You know what I mean? He's a good football player. And um, his biggest issue is going to be uh, he, he's he got to be behind a, an offensive line because he, he doesn't really have natural vision. Um, but if you uh, if you if you liked Wayne Gallman coming out of Clemson a few years back, this guy's very similar to that too. He's just a straight line runner. If you give him a hole, he'll hit it and he's going to, he's going to bust through that thing and he's going to score. He's a good short yardage back, um, but he's just not going to create a lot for himself. So I think a guy like that in the right system could be a good filling back, a good running back to a good change of pace guy, a good short, short yardage guy, but he's another guy that stands out to me a little bit as, a guy you could get in a valuable role um, for a team that maybe has championship aspirations. They're just trying to round out a roster. He could be a piece uh, for that. And then lastly, you had um, Evan Hull in here. Um, talk about Evan Hull a little bit and why he's he's a sleeper for you. Yeah, I've got a little bit lower grade on him. I've got a fifth round grade overall, but I think if you're looking at a guy, you know, who could go seventh round undrafted, this is a guy to keep an eye on. He's relatively athletic, curious to see how well he tests, but 5'11", 210, didn't have a great yards per carry, only 4.1 this past year, but his Northwestern's entire offense was a wreck, one of the worst in all the FBS. Nothing was good for them. The offensive line was trash. The quarterback play was trash. He had no help at all. A year previous, he averaged a whole extra yard per carry. And, you know, an offense that prioritized the run. So, you know, the, the, mm. they were facing a lot of eight-man boxes, and he still averaged five yards per carry. Um, this past season, though, his receiving ability, despite the horrible passing game for Northwestern, he still had 55 catches for 546 yards Ooh. this past year. So this guy is a very good receiver out of the backfield. Teams are going to use him. I think of him as like a slower version <laughs> um, of a guy who came out a couple years ago. I don't know why the name is slipping me. Um, uh 
Oh, the, it is killing me now. Minnesota got Minnesota got him. He became kind of a he was a speed guy. Um, became a kick returner a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Had a I want to say his name started like with like a Z or something. Um, but was like a seventh round pick out of Iowa State. He played for Iowa State. Um, I don't know Man. why the names the names are not. <laughs> I'm not thinking of who you're thinking of. So, but regardless, keep an eye on him at the combine. See how well he tests. Um, and mm. keeping, you know, keep an eye on all these guys. We just had the big board come out this past week. Check all these guys out. And, you know, Jeremy, next week we're going to be, uh, talking post combine stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to deep dive that, get all your thoughts from your visit there. Thank you for joining us again on the Steelers fix. We have run out of time and that's okay. Cause Andrew and I could talk for forever on this, uh, and we'll be back with you again next week. Always Tuesday at noon, you can find the Steelers fix on the Steel Curtain Network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. And uh, we are just excited to continue our coverage of the combine of the NFL draft and of the Steelers offseason upcoming. Reach out to us on Twitter, Steelers fix listeners. We'd love to hear from you. I sent out a tweet a little while ago that you guys gave me some prospects that uh, you wanted to hear more about. We're going to dive into those guys here in the next couple weeks, but we're going to dive into those guys. So if you're a regular listener to the show and you have other prospects you'd like us to talk about, we're going to have kind of a fan uh, or a listener uh, led show in the fact that we're going to look at some of these guys. So stick with us. We'll be back with more content next week, but for now, for Andrew Wilbar, I'm Jeremy Betts. This has been the Steelers fix. Have a good one.